Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but as you know, by now we're in this together and we have some great people helping us along the way. We're surrounded by media messaging every single day. The TV we watch, the billboards we see, the radio we listen to, and the social media we read and share, just to name a few. A great deal of our media is good. It's fine, interesting, even helpful. But there is a lot of media out there that is useless or even harmful. Our children really need to know the difference. This is one of my favorite topics, actually. I I present on this topic, and personally, it lights my fire as media is so powerful and has the ability to shape and break people. So how do we talk to kids about media and how do we help them to deconstruct and understand and critique it? Our old friend, Dina Alexander, who was already on How to Talk to Kids About Anything to discuss the topic of talking about sex with children. Do you remember that one, making babies? Well, she is back to help us talk about media literacy. Dina Alexander is the founder and president of Educate and Empower Kids, an organization determined to strengthen families by teaching digital citizenship, media literacy, and healthy sexuality education, including education about the dangers of online porn. She's the creator of Noah's New Phone, a story about using technology for good, messages about me, a journey to healthy body image, how to talk to your kids about pornography, and the 30 Days of Sex Talks and the 30 Days to a Stronger Child programs. Her new book, which we will be discussing today, is entitled Petra's Power to See, a Media Literacy Adventure. Dina received her master's degree in recreation therapy from the University of Utah and her bachelor's from Brigham Young University. She is an amazing mom and loves spending time with her husband and three kids, and I really adore talking to her. So thank you so much for joining us, Dina Alexander, on how to talk to kids about anything. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk about this. Before we get really into everything, for our listeners who haven't had the opportunity to meet you and read your books, would you just take a moment to tell us what got you so interested in the topic of kids and media, and especially what it is you're really doing through Educate and Empower Kids? Absolutely. So I started a few years ago um, reading a simple Facebook article about teen porn consumption. Mm. And it was so shocking, so surprising to me that I just immediately started doing research on the topic and talking to all my friends, talking to my family members, and just realizing how absolutely terrified they were to Mm -hmm. have that conversation. Mm -hmm. 
I thought maybe it was just like a conservative issue, maybe a Christian issue until I talked to my atheist friends and found out they were just as scared to talk to their kids about sex. And I couldn't get them to talk about pornography if I couldn't get them to talk about sex. And along this journey, we have just found that parents have a lot of needs, especially as we are in this digital age. And media is a huge piece of that in how we how it constructs the way we think, how it constructs how we feel about other people, our self-esteem, our self-worth, and body image is a big part of that. But also, we don't want to just panic and scare parents. We want to give them tools mm-hmm. to talk to their kids, to feel confident in talking to their kids. And so, that. That was the impetus for these new children's books that we have, you know, about, you know, Noah's new phone that is about, you know, using technology for good. And then, of course, Petra's Power to See, which is a just a great tool, not just for kids, but I think for adults, too, to learn how to deconstruct, how to read the messages, to see through everything that is just you know, bombarding us. Mm, I really agree with you. And I found the book very useful. And that's where we're going to focus today on this media literacy of so many great tools. But I want to focus there today and want to know exactly why did you write this particular book, Petra's Power to See, right now? And, and why did you aim it to the children themselves? So my kids are, right now they are 17, almost 15, and 12. And I have just found myself, we have been discussing media literacy, deconstructing images for the last couple of years. And I just have felt over and over again, man, I wish I had started sooner. Mm. I wish I had started when they were being influenced by Disney and Hot Wheels commercials. Mm -hmm. Not by social media not by Instagram, you know, that they were, when they were, when it was simpler, mm-hmm. you know, when the, the mm-hmm. messages were a bit more straightforward, mm-hmm. that if that if I had started, things would be a little simpler to discuss now. You know, we are oh, still able that. to have really great conversations, but I just wish I had, so that's why for me, it was like, how young can I possibly mm-hmm. take this book? And so that was, I, but I also wanted it to be relevant to nine, 10, 11 year olds. So, I mean, you know, the age range of the book is six to 11. And I think some people could, you know, could tone it down for younger kids, sure. you know, in their language. But for me, that was at least some of the concepts we discussed. I was like, I really, I feel like that's, you know, a good time when they are, can understand things that are a little bit more abstract, but also they can understand how messages make them feel, mm. how um, a video might make them laugh, it also might make them cry, these kinds of simple tools. But like I said, that's, that was the impetus was, man, I wish I had just started a little sooner. I really appreciate that. My kids are seven and nine, so they're right into your wheelhouse right there. And when I was reading the book, I thought this is exactly what I want to be talking to my kids about. And yes, we've absolutely started these types of conversations. I want my kids to feel media literate. I want them to understand that the wool is being pulled over their eyes so much of the time that they are used as pawns at some times and that they can be people who can kind of beat the system. They can know what's going on. So let's get a little bit into the actual material of the book because you do such a great job there. You talk about that media messaging is everywhere and you talk about how that impact of the media can really shape our kids' beliefs and thoughts. So can you tell us how we can 
as parents use maybe some exercises we can do or some things that we can say to them so that they understand that media has an impact, just sort of the sort of global idea that media can sway them one way or another. Well, I think it's really useful, and this is something that you would not like say need the book for, but to even just define it for them. Mm -hmm. The first thing to do is to just, what is media? You know, because that's a word that we, again, take for granted. Mm. But a child of five, six, and seven, they don't exactly know what media is. So we have to let them know this is a way we send messages. And we also need to let them know, like, well, what is the difference between fantasy and reality? Mm. You know, and that is also just a great gauge for us to understand what our kids are really taking in mm. and what they really understand and what might be affecting them now and later. You know, do they understand that this Disney movie is fun? but that this princess does not exist, that mm. this is not real. You know, those are, that's a good starting point to kind of help them see, you know, and it can just start with a simple conversation of, do you know what that is? Like pointing mm -hmm. to a billboard mm -hmm. or while they're watching um, an educational, you know, YouTube video or something on Netflix with you. Mm -hmm. And you can pull them back, pause the video and say, this is media. Do you understand these pictures, you know, this message? And you can even ask them, what is the message? Mm -hmm. What is being said here? And a lot of times it'll take them a minute to think about it because, and even us, it'll take us a minute because again, we're being, it's the wallpaper of our lives. Mm. You know, we don't often take the time to understand the wallpaper on our walls, right? Mm -hmm. We just walk past it. We, we, it comes into our brains. It, you know, it filters through and we move on. But those little sponges that we are caring for, our children are taking those in in much, in, in much stronger ways than we usually acknowledge. Mm -hmm. And so again, to stop and say, what do you think of that? You know, mm -hmm. do you like that? Like, what is, what's the message there? You know, mm -hmm. what is that man saying with his eyes? What is the message? What is she saying? You know, right when you're in the grocery checkout line and you are looking around at those magazines, mm -hmm, staring mm -hmm. you in the face, you know, great opportunity to just have a little teaching moment. And it can start there. Just a simple little discussion. It doesn't have to be a big hour long talk. It can just be, again, a few minutes of and then driving through the car. Let's count how many messages we see between our home mm -hmm. and and soccer practice and how many we see on the way to the mall and then okay we're gonna walk we're walking through the mall how many messages do we see yeah, that must be a lot you know? <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot I they're mean. trying so hard right. and so again that's a great starting point I love that I love that and you can do that with young kids and they feel so capable they can feel like they are part of this discussion even when they are you know, four or five, six years old. Oh, look, there's a there's a sock advertisement. There's a shoe advertisement. There's a beauty advertisement. So they're they're whatever they're taking in that's telling them something. That's the media that they're receiving, and it's going to sway them one way or another. And in the book, you talk about deconstructing those ads. So there's like this next layer, and you do it in such a simple, easy to understand way. You show that the lead character is talking to her dad about an advertisement for a bike and what makes a child want that bike in that advertisement. And, and I talk about this at home. We, you know, we get toy ads. Um, you know, Toys R Us is going out. But once, you know, when the, to the Toys R Us catalog came in, it was, you know, what is it saying here? So how can we help deconstruct ads so that our children can see not only the blatant messaging, get this bike, you know, but also the subtle and hidden messages 
perhaps in ads for toys or games or clothes that are aimed directly at them. Yeah, absolutely. And that is, I think, the key thing is that underlying message. Mm -hmm. So first, helping our kids know every advertisement is one is selling us something. Mm -hmm. And much of media is selling us something. It's telling us a message. So what is the message? You know, and you can even say like, okay, this history book, it has a certain message. Or you're reading um, a Bernstein Bears book. Okay, they have a message. But let's look at this advertisement. You know, what are they saying to us? And so deconstructing media for for parents, I know that this was a new term for me four or five years ago, was just helping parents understand that. So this is breaking down an ad you know, a movie, a book, whatever, breaking it down into pieces so that they and you, that the adult and the child can understand all the different messages. When we break it apart, that's how we can find all the messages. Mm -hmm. um, you can do this even with a song, right? I've done this with my kids where we have, they're listening to a song and I'm like, do you know what that's really saying? Mm -hmm. Oh, this. We pull up the lyrics and they are always surprised, mm -hmm. right? And so you're looking at this and you're like, what is this, what is this saying? Okay. And then you can talk about that as a good thing or a bad thing. There's great songs out there. Maybe you can compare two songs. This is a great song that it has a great message that we love. And this is a message that maybe we don't like. And so there's various questions that we can ask ourselves and we can ask our kids um, to deconstruct. Now I'm saying ask ourselves because most of us as adults are not media literate. Mm -hmm. This is something that, you know, I know that I was not taught mm -hmm. as a child. Absolutely. I, was taught, Absolutely. I wasn't taught yes, as a teenager. I was in college that I got my first hints of it, right? Mm -hmm. Were they in some of my classes, but it, or in school, it was at least, it was only taught to deconstruct a poem, mm -hmm. a, oh, an essay, mm -hmm. a book, you know? And so now though, that we are living in an image-based culture, we this is a skill all of us need we be, we need to be able to look at an ad and break it down before it kind of like does its its magic before I start thinking I need that product mm -hmm. if I have that product if I have that handbag if I'm using that type of phone my life will be better mm -hmm. right? you know all those things right. that we fall victim to sure. we need to get our kids practicing that at a young age that will kind of it's giving them a leg up in our culture mm -hmm in this image-based culture, if they can start breaking advertisements down, breaking a movie apart, and you can still do this and still enjoy the song and still enjoy the movie. You know, mm -hmm. I remember a few years ago, um, I wanted to show my kids, I think it was, I think we were watching Fried Green Tomatoes. And I, I liked that movie, but I remember pausing it a few times because there was elements that they didn't understand. They did not understand certain issues of racism. They didn't understand, you know, why this husband was being abusive to his wife, you know. So these were things that we paused and discussed. The movie was still a meaningful experience, but I, I paused throughout to discuss the discuss what was going mm -hmm. on. And and and, in, and, and you, when you're doing that, it's not just what's going on, but it's also what is going on in my brain, right? How like, does it make you feel? Yeah. Absolutely. What is it doing to you? You know, and right. that's something that I love to talk about with kids, you know, and just holding up a simple beauty ad of, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. what is this, how our brains are trying so hard to make it true. So mm -hmm. here you and oh, I are adults. Wow. We yeah. know that that is a computerized image. We know, our brains know that we look at any advertisement and she has been airbrushed and she has no pores, she has no lines, but we're still comparing ourselves to her. We're still saying, that's not how I look. I'll never be that color. Mm -hmm. I'll never have those eyes. 
our brains, so for children especially, we're trying to make it true. These media illusions are so hard for us to get past. And so that is such a great thing for us to do is to draw attention of, wow, what what do they want us to do? Mm-hmm. What do they want us to feel, you know, mm-hmm. and being really honest with them and letting them know they don't care if this makes us feel bad. All they want is for us to purchase it, you know, that they right. that you look into a fashion magazine. They are not trying to make us feel good about ourselves. Right. They are not. They are trying to make us go. I need that. Yeah, I need that. It's true. And I want to I want to kind of delve into that a little bit more. This is definitely a hot button issue for me. I. Uh, as I was mentioning to you before, I I present on this topic and I do 10 media messages that girls and women receive um, from media. And, you know, when we're looking at these very, you know, sensitive, sort of mind-blowing issues that can be encapsulated by a beauty ad or uh, a perfume ad or something that has nothing to do with any of those things and just, you know, puts a woman in a particular position or, you know, gets rid of their pores and makes them look absolutely perfect in every way. Um, It can have a great impact and and people get extremely fired up by that. Um, And and when we're talking about it with girls and with boys, because both really need to know about this very strange situation, um, you know, we, we need to help girls and boys look at these things and realize, yes, these are, are fake. I was one girl said to me in one of my groups, she goes, you mean the girl on the cover of the magazine doesn't even look like the girl on the cover of the magazine? Yep, that's exactly what we're saying here. So what should we be illuminating for girls and for boys when they look at advertisements, specifically for those sort of beauty or fitness products that will help them to dissect what the, the real message is behind the actual sale of the product. So there's several things that we can do. And so, and it, it can actually be pretty fun and pretty interesting mm. to, to do this with your kids. If you, something real simple that I have done is you can just Google Photoshopped women mm-hmm. or Photoshopped men, and it will bring up a ton of images. Mm-hmm. If you, if you click on the images and you can see the differences between people. Right. So that's, that's, that's one thing where you can kind of show this is how that person, or you can show how maybe somebody that she, that's a celebrity that you know, that is on a cover and you can be like, well, let's look at for other pictures and right. you will find other quote unquote normal pictures <laughs> of how that person looks. So that's one easy thing that we can do. And then you can also draw attention to what else is being used in the ad. You know, what are the colors? What is she wearing? What is he wearing? What are these things? You know, because there is a certain lifestyle that's being portrayed, right? And is that, you know, you can even say, do Mm. these look like the people around us? You know, is that our lifestyle? Because there's always lifestyles and values that are being portrayed and that are being ignored Mm. in every Mm -hmm. advertisement. And that's on purpose, right? So that we focus in so that we aspire to that character. Mm -hmm. Another fun one that I've done is I, if you Google Chanel ads, it'll bring up a lot of beautiful women who have been in Chanel perfume ads, but it'll also bring up Brad Pitt, right? Mm -hmm. Who even though they've airbrushed him, he is still allowed to have wrinkles and pores in his advertising. Mm-hmm, mm, mm. But the women, but the women absolutely are not. Mm-hmm. Even women that are about his age, mm-hmm. not allowed. Well, not they allowed. don't have pores. Yeah, and the, we should aspire invisible. to that. Yeah, yes. they're they're magical. They're magical creatures. <laughs> they're like unicorns, right? And so 
that's again, it's just a great thing. So then you can talk about the differences. And mm-hmm. then again, you can include your sons and your daughter. What are the pressures that are being put on on boys mm-hmm. and on girls? Right. Like, what are they trying to tell you that you need to look because there's a lot of hyper masculine ads. Right. There's like this huge muscles which you brought up in your book again. The one of the ads was a a guy from the gym and you know with the big muscles and he's ready for a workout, you know, and and what is it saying about what we're supposed to look at? I mean we even see it with the toys that the kids play with, you know, when you do a comparison with the the figurines that they play with now versus what they played with when, you know, when we were young. The 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 muscles have grown ten times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like kind of like we, you know, you walk past a magazine rack. My husband is a doctor and he likes to work out and he, he will talk about it. He's like, yeah, no, every single one of those, like any fitness, those big muscle magazines, mm-hmm. he was like, those are all steroids. And it's nice that like I'm able to use that as, you know, I have a source mm-hmm. <laughs> on that who knows what, what drugs have to be taken in order for someone to Because that's like not that. human. Like that's and not that's humanly not, possible. It's not humanly possible, you know, and again, just kind of helping and it's, but it's something that we need to do over and over. You know, I know that growing up again, I remember like at church, this was a discussion that we maybe might have had as teenagers about maybe media messages. And I nowadays I'm like, that is just way too late. You know, they are already feeling the impact. I'm sure you see this when you talk to groups of kids. There's mm-hmm. a certain, there's a tipping point somewhere there between six and nine, I feel like, where they are are not where they can most kids not every kid but most kids can still enjoy their body for what it is and what it functions as right but yes. I, I can run i can jump i can oh, listen sure yes but my daughter said the other day she's like i'm one of the best hitters on the team i'm like you go girl that's right like that good then, i have a great arm yes you do exactly <laughs> and then but then i remember when i've taught some of these groups when i get towards that 10 11 yep. year old mm-hmm. they get it I, the look in their eyes, the way oh. they're nodding at me when I am talking yes. about that mean voice in your head yes. that says things. They Their eyes widen and they know exactly yeah. that time. So it's like somewhere before that 9 and 10, we have got to start talking about right there. What, how I'm these right are impacting there. us. Yes. It's so true. It's so true. And it's, it's very upsetting. It's, you know, it's the advertisements on with the hyper masculinity. It's the, it's the, the, the advertisements and the media with, you know, the perfect, the perfect woman. And they even have words like that. In my presentation, mm-hmm. I have one that I cut out from my a local magazine that said, look and feel, look and feel perfect seven days a week. And I asked the audience, like, what do you think this is an advertisement for? And they, you know, there's theories. And then it, it turns out it was plastic surgery. It was a plastic mm. surgery. Now, that is the way. So, I mean, it's not that hidden Ugh. of a message, right? But that is the way that we can feel and look perfect seven days a week. It's that you have to actually get plastic surgery. You have to be surgically altered. Yeah, yes. yeah absolutely. Right. So, you know, these are, the, the ads are, don't even have to be that subtle. <laughs> Yeah. Right and then there. it's, but then it's, I mean, it's also, I mean, there's just so many great discussions you can have with this, mm-hmm. you know, because at least now, you know, with having so many options, right, where I will, you know, I will click through with my kids, we're sitting there in Netflix. And when you talk about, you know, even the characters mm-hmm. that women are allowed to play, mm-hmm. and how many, you know, we're we'll really be watching some superhero thing or whatever. And I'm like, how many strong women are really being portrayed here? Mm-hmm. You know, or how many, you know, is she, how many women are we allowing to, you know, be, I just feel like we have to, 
our kids cannot be what they don't see. And so I know that that's something that I get kind of fired up about with different movies mm-hmm, or television sure. shows. I'm like, I want to see things where both men and women are being portrayed in a good way, in a positive way, in an intelligent way, mm-hmm. not just for their looks, not just, you know, f- to be arm candy. And so again, another great discussion that you can have of what are our options as, as what we can view as a family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really important stuff. And I know that, you know, obviously, we wouldn't be able to have a complete conversation without talking about social media as part of our media conversation. And I, and you do talk about that right there in the book. It's an area where preteens and teens are gaining entry and opportunities to post and comment really before many of them fully understand the impact of what they're seeing and saying. Um, we interviewed Sue Chef, who wrote Shame Nation. She said uh-huh. that our pod, in our podcast interview, she said, never post in haste. And, you know, once it goes online, it stays online. And you talk about things that we need to think about when we see a post and when we choose to comment. So can you talk about both of these areas, both the, the viewing of the post from another friend and when we choose to post or comment um, and, and what we really need to be discussing with kids in this area when it comes to media literacy. So great question. So with what we are posting or what we see. So mm-hmm. first of all, I like to, when I've talked to my kids about this and when I talk in groups, as I mentioned that whether we admit it or not, all of us are selling a message mm-hmm. on social media. Yes, you were and right. So, you were right. So yeah. I show, I'll show several pictures from my own personal sure. Instagram, and I will ask the audience, what am I selling? Oh, what am I, what am I selling so important. And, and, not, and look, you know, how many times have we seen the sort of fictitious Facebook post? You know, yeah. it's the perfect yeah. family frolicking in the field yes. of Azure. Yes, in the Bahamas, <laughs> and they've just completed a marathon you, together, right? You can right? hear yeah. the music. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, and I will show them different pictures in the night when they don't answer or when they do answer, I'll say, I'm selling good mommy. Oh, I good said, job. Is, hey. And I'm, like, and I'm like, I'm being honest with you. Yes. I want people to know and see me as a great mom who is paying attention with her kids and mm-hmm. is doing fun things. And I've showed silly things from years ago where, like, I organanized the kids' Legos by color. Oh, Lord. Right? Oh, my God. Right? And I'm like, and then I posted it. Right? It's so <laughs> silly. It's so silly. Right? But I'm like, I hey, I haven't done a perfect job. I don't know anybody, but I also want to show them, like, we all we we can see through each other. Yes. Please don't act like no one like we don't. Oh know my gosh! And like, how many times do we see those posts where we're like, "Oh Lord," you know, <laughs> I just don't well, want to see that. And I'm like, "You're my age. Why are you posting that?" Right? right? Like, you really need that. Anywho, so that's the first thing is that I let them know we're all selling a message. Okay, so your teenagers they're selling a message, and you can ask them, and you'll and I will show them on my feed. Hey, look at what's, what is this person selling? What am I selling? And then I will ask them, you know, like my, my daughter has Instagram, right? What are, what is, what are you selling there? What is the message you're putting out right, like, to your Ooh, friend? I'm fun. I have lots of friends. And I'm cool. so happy and cool. Yeah. I wear good things. Um, the, deep. The, I, de- Here's I'm, a poem. I'm so deep. deep you know? I'm, I, right. I'm a, I'm, I'm a poet and I look great in a bikini is often, you know. Yeah. 
Well, my daughter is not allowed. She knows way better than that. Yes, <laughs> yes. But how many how many bikini pictures do we oh, yeah, see? Exactly. Um, or well, it was just prom here last week. Okay. So don't even get me started right? on. Okay. What, what... I have a great dress. I have a yeah. great guy. I have a great girl next to me. And, yes, and here hair. are my legs and. <laughs> My parents let me walk out of the house with this, right? So that too, that too. Anyway, so that's the first part. And then, of course, this is what's amazing about social media that we really need to appreciate and that we can be teaching our kids is this is our opportunity to create media, mm-hmm. right? So we can take it and, yeah, we can sell ourselves and I can show my rib cage and my bikini or I can take this opportunity to literally change the world. Oh, Wow. Yes. Good. Oh, you can make this that. And again, that 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 power is within us and Mm -hmm. that we live in a time, the first time in the history of the world that I can impact if I choose to thousands, hundreds, millions of people. And do I want to impact them with me showing me on a Friday night at a party or (laughs) am I going to show myself, you know, helping other people or am right. I going to you know, take right. the time to comment positively and kindly to other people when I have a disagreement am sure. I going to behave well these are all great principles of media and showing our if we want our kids to do it we have to do it mm-hmm. showing our mm-hmm. kids mm-hmm. this is what I'm posting you know and this is how I handle different situations online but again like that thinking, you know, think before you post, you mm-hmm. know, and teaching your kids, mm-hmm. this is such a powerful, powerful tool. I went to the UN Commission on the Status of Women a couple of weeks ago, and a woman spoke there. She was from Iran, and her one of her missions is to try to get that so that the hijab is not mandatory there. And mm-hmm. she's like, she said, I grew up in a town of 200 families, and I now have 2 million Twitter followers. Mm-hmm. And like, that is exactly it. That is it, you know, that that is her passion. She took her and made her own platform. And the fact that our kids and us, that we can create our own blog, our own websites, our own social media, and that this is an amazing opportunity. So definitely teaching them safety first, discussing those different things, but also reminding them more than once, several times, you are powerful, are a creator. So use it good right use it wisely and it's it's you know what is it that you want to sell like what do you want the world to learn from you what is your gift and how can we get that out to the world I really like that idea because it gets kids thinking about oh well you know I really care about animals and you know Mm -hmm. and you know I really care about the environment or um you know my friends mean everything to me and this is how I show that I'm I'm a good friend or you know it could be a, of course, a you know, a very big issue that we're taking on, or it can be a more, you know, community minded um, person who, you know, what's wants to do something for their com- community. And yeah, it doesn't have to be, you know, crazy. Yeah, it stuff. doesn't like my, you know, my daughter has more than one Instagram. And that took me a while to kind of be like, okay with. Mm-hmm. But one of her things is a photography page where mm-hmm. she is sharing her photography. She also has a positive quotes page mm-hmm. where she is sharing positive quotes. It's like, 
you know, none of us, yeah, we're, she's not changing the world, but it's like, it's, it's those small ripples, right? right? right. That little she might be there. impacting her friends, you know, Absolutely. and that's, that's a oh, great I know thing. she is. Right. And there's people that, you know, there's people in our community. I have, you know, a stepsister that lives in another state that when she saw Sydney last time was like, that is so great. I love it. I look forward to your sure. quotes every day. Absolutely. And I'm like, boom, that's, that's it. That's, that's it. You've, you've helped that's somebody. It. Okay, this is that's uh, these are all really important. I can imagine that people are nodding their heads and saying, "Yes, okay." <laughs> so, I want to shift direction um which it, it feels like an adult question, but really it's it's for everybody because in this day and age we hear so much about fake news and usually it's with regard to politics. But it's often also with regard to celebrities. I mean, how many times do we say fake news about celebrities? Um, we can see it about products. You know, this is going to change your life and change your face and change your mind and do all these other things. So how can we help our children dissect whether something they see in the media is real or fake? Yeah, absolutely. So this is something that we definitely wanted to cover in the book because, again, one of those things that most of us are starting too late on, right? Or we just have this expectation that they know, right? Oh, they know. They should know that you don't believe everything you read. And it's like, uh-uh. Kids are so much more vulnerable to this. They are used to believing what they are told. Right. That's part of that innocence of childhood. And so there's a lot of things that we can do, especially so, you know, I think, again, like I know that my instinct was to talk to my kids about fake political news, but that is not what kids are more susceptible to. And that is not what's coming up on their websites right, or right. that's that's not the the usual, they, they need to know about, yeah, those fake products, these things that are making these promises. So a real simple thing is, again, is to just sit down with your child at a computer and to even if you just go to the bottom, even at like, say, a, a re reputable website like CNN.com, you go to the very bottom and you are going to come to their sponsored posts. That means that somebody else is paying them money to have some space on their website. Okay. And those are that's a great place to start because they're usually they're not inappropriate or creepy. They're just they're just like that first little taste of something that is kind of a little too good to be true, right? So that's something simple, a good place to 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 show them. You can also show them, you know, like the onion. A great website that is hilarious, and yes. sometimes you have to make sure it's appropriate. But You're you like, can is just this show true? Wait, oh, it's the onion. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I mean, like I, I loved the post. I think it was a couple years ago that I remember just laughing and showing my kids, and it was showing the Pope in America, and it was saying like, oh, capitalism must be great because they have all these flavors of Oreos. How <laughs> could a country be wrong who has all these different flavors of Oreos, right? <laughs> and I remember it was so funny. So I showed it to my kids. And again, simple story to say, this is a joke. Do you understand that this entire website is is fake, it is mm -hmm. funny, and it is meant to be that. So again, showing them those, those different kinds of websites. But then what about the the products that come in that promise you know youth and happiness and beauty and love and friendship and whatever yep. else yeah. um and so what do we i mean how are they supposed to know i mean I, i'm sure i'm sure of it my kids have told me that oh do you know that this new toy does this this and this and i'm thinking mm, thinking no you know how how is it that we can show 
in, in, I mean, I understand experience certainly can teach it, but what do we do in order for them to not already get the toy, which I've done also, and yeah. have them actually see it's totally not that. So what do we do yeah. when they see the advertisement? You go, mm, not so sure about that. I think again, it's it's about reminding them because again, they're gonna because they're gonna keep hitting those messages. They're mm-hmm. gonna keep those because those advertisers are literally they're hunting us, right? They're mm-hmm. hunting us. They're hunting our kids. They want their money, right? So those they things to just kind money. of let them let them see that this is gonna happen over and over, and and let them know, you're, and you're gonna just have to let them know this is not true like right. and or I always like to show them like advertisements like I'm like do you see how happy they are with this toy like have you ever felt that excited <laughs> about your toy like that Nerf gun have you ever just felt like like that you know or with that Barbie doll and that's kind of like the oh that's the first right. step where they kind of go oh yeah like and I'm like I'm not saying that toy isn't fun because right. I know you've had fun with your Hot Wheels but you don't jump off the ground with excitement because you're playing Hot Wheels, right? So again, just kind of like letting them see that's that is those those underlying those hidden messages. Like what is the message right. in this advertisement? The advertisement is that your life is going to be so yes. amazing. Yes. And then I have had I too, we I think we've all had to at some point be like, you know, especially when they have their own money that they've got for grandma from their birthday or whatever, and they go and they buy oh, that. Oh yes. Toy. It totally that happened. Work out so great. Yeah. Doesn't does, work out. No. Yeah, that doesn't work out that and that is some of the yep. hard things. And I think it's also okay to tell our kids about mistakes we've made, you know, things that we have believed, you know, that there are things that we, you know, that they don't advertise for anymore, but Mm -hmm. that we believed as kids, you know, that we really thought that we were going to have Germac bounce back hair. Oh, right. The hair is so perfect and gorgeous. Or that Pantene was going to make our hair amazing. Amazing with perfect curls and just bounce and shine. Absolutely. I do wonder what that stuff looks like in person and how it, uh, you know, can get there. And there are videos that that show the progression of what, you know, they do to people and to products in order to make them look good. I've shown my kids those food food ones where like it's shoe polish on on the hamburger burgers and you know it's it's not ice cream it's mashed potatoes and they're like what you know in food styling and that kind of thing and it it definitely opens their eyes yeah absolutely especially with food and yeah any well with any product and you can pretty much google like behind the scene things on that I know on our website we've covered a few different things about media illusions Mm -hmm. and there are there, there is, there's just, there, they are. And again, that's a fun, that is fun. activity. I you know agree what I mean? like with that's that. something that can be done after dinner. You're sitting there, you're having a conversation about something you saw in the media, an advertisement, and you can just pull out your laptop mm-hmm. and just be like, let's, let's see what's really going on, you know, and then just remind them like, and the same thing goes for toys and the same thing goes for cars mm-hmm. and for shoes and for dresses, yeah. you know, and reminding them when we see, you know, cause I have to remind myself when I am shopping online and I see this beautiful woman oh, wearing right? this They're super cool dress. Tall. That I have to go, wait Absolutely. a second. And I'm, I'm grateful for the websites that will tell you how tall. I know, that is appreciated. <laughs> that is appreciated. Is. And what their real size I'm, five, I'm like shy of 5'3". And, the, you know, the people on the websites are usually like 
5'11". You know, so like, I exactly. think that's going to look different on me. I, I, I have a feeling it will. Yeah, exactly. I have a feeling so that it, those, you know, seven or eight inches may make a difference. <laughs> just a titch. Just a titch. So. You know, I'm also okay with kids making some mistakes. And, uh, you know, my I've told this story before, but my daughter uh, did have the, uh, the $30 gift card that she got from one of her grandparents and then took it and went and bought at uh, one of the toy stores, one of the, oh God, this product. I told her, I told her it was gonna be crap. And yet she didn't believe me because, you know, the advertisement was there and the girls were in it and they were having such a good time and they were, oh, they were relaxed and happy and one, oh, it was just terrific. The music was playing and she got it and it was crap. And she spent 30 bucks on it. And I remember her coming to me and be like, you know what, mom? Oh, it was gratifying. (laughs) I mean, I got to admit it. She was like, you were right. It's, it's, it's garbage. And I was like, you know what, honey, we all made this mistake. And, and so now it has become a thing in our house. Like, it's like, I'm not saying the product's name, but like, she'll actually say like, this is like that mommy. And I'll be like, yes, it is. It is also an example of advertised garbage, but is trying to suck you in to get it. So yeah, no, exactly. No problem with that. While you're telling that story, I could immediately, I could picture the product as a kid that I purchased that I remember begged and begged and begged for Christmas. I got it. And then it would not work. Right. It would not work well. And my parent and my mom was just like, that's okay. And I just remember being like, I wanted I wanted so much from this product and it just didn't deliver. Heartbreaking. Okay, so, (laughs) yeah, that is such a it's it's just a really good thing. Nothing beats experience. That's right. In order to learn some some good confidence. But of of course, we don't want to go into the dangerous experiences. But, you know, these little ones, not a bad thing. So uh (laughs) In our first podcast interview together, we got comfortable with being uncomfortable. We discussed sex and making babies, and it was, I thought I was going to hide under my desk during part of it. You're so comfortable (laughs) with it, and I have not had the conversation with my kids yet. We have since had the conversations. I felt so much better. Way to go. Oh, my gosh. So not like I picked it. It just happened, but I felt exactly. so much more prepared after exactly. hearing your your podcast interview. Oh my gosh, oh, I, good. I was, it was really great for me. You know, all of these podcasts that I've done, it's like a masterclass for me. At the same time, like I I know a lot of information broadly, then and then I interview people that it's like they give me such a deep slice of the pie that I feel extremely prepared in so many areas. So it's great. Awesome. So I'm thinking, who better to have a discussion with about how to bring up uh, the kinds of media that we really don't want our kids seeing? So, you know, something violent or, of course, pornography. So how do we bring up this sort of sensitive topic and what do we need our children to know about the media we really don't want them to see? So I th- it's it's one, I think it's important that we need to start first. So we don't want to wait until our kids have already seen something because then they sometimes a lot, well, not sometimes, but a lot of times they start to feel like shame. They, something tells them this isn't right. Whether that is something super violent or something that is pornographic, their little, the way their brains are wired are like, oh, wait, this isn't, they, they know that this is not classic, typical media and their, their little hearts are 
usually freaking out. So I like, so we always are like, you need to talk first, even if they're five and six, even if they're four. Okay. Especially if you're handing them an unfiltered phone to play games, Mm -hmm. to, you know, watch a video or watch something on YouTube, you have got to say something about about pornography and about violent media. So it's first thing that's real simple is to define it, help them understand what pornography and what violent media is, you know, and that's going to be a different definition for a lot of different people, right? What you consider violent, especially in our American culture, we have such a huge variety of what people consider violent right in this culture mm-hmm. and so if you don't like something that there's name calling if there's certain words that you don't like again be very specific don't leave them guessing on things that you don't think they should be watching okay if they're just going to be flipping through different television channels or clicking on netflix and again those all have great parental controls to kind of help you out but helping them know exactly what you mean by violence and violent media. Same thing with pornography, you know, whether you're going to keep it really simple and just say pornography is something is videos or pictures where people have little or no clothing on. You can leave it there. If that's Mm -hmm. all you're comfortable. I usually add an extra layer and say, there's usually sexual behavior in Mm -hmm. it. And if they are not sure what sexual behavior is, if my kids, if the kids ask, I'm going to tell them what sexual behavior is, you know, and so letting them know very specifically and also letting them know what to do when they see this, this media, do they need to come and tell you should, if they're at school, do they tell their teacher? And also, I think it's really helpful to warn them when they're going to see that. Hey, you might see that on the school bus. You might see that at a sleepover. You might see that Mm -hmm. at your friend's house, you know, or we know, oh, hey, you're going to go to your cousin's house to hang out. Hey, they're okay with watching things that we are not okay with. If you see this, you can ask them to turn it off. You can go in another room, you know, whatever, giving them options of what they can do when they come across this type of media. Right. So, so important. So important. And yes, a very good start and um, helping them to understand it. And that when they do see it, that they can come to you and tell you how they felt. They can come to you and ask questions and, you know, and that they can feel empowered to say, I don't want to see that. And you can, they can even blame it on you. I mean, I tell my kids blame it on me all the time. Exactly. Yeah. So on the truly practical side here, before we get into our top tip, what kinds of guidelines would you say sort of in the family setting? What, what should we create so that our children and families have an, more of like an agreement with what kind of media is allowed, what kinds of rules we should have around media. It it looks like in the book you have, you're really encouraging parents and families to create an actual document. So what is it that you're hoping people write in there and say in there? and, And what is it in terms of guidelines that they should be talking about? I think the first thing is to kind of take is to take inventory because most of us I do this every few months because I and I am always surprised if not shocked at how much time my family and I are spending in front of screens mm-hmm. whether that's doing homework in front of a screen whether that's television whether that is watching videos whether that is you know on their phones whatever like all of this screen time is is adding up Right. So that's the first thing is to take inventory of where our family is at. I guarantee you'll be surprised. Okay. And it's going to be hours more than you think. It's not two hours a day. 
is yeah, what you're we telling wish. me. We, yes. wish, we wish it was, right? right? And so, again, so that, that's one of the first parts. I also like to have families you know, come to an agreement about where devices are kept. Like in my mm-hmm. family, we do not let our kids have their phones right. in their bedrooms. They do not have them overnight in their rooms. Absolutely. We're a very central location with when they have their laptops and they're doing homework, we're all in the same place. Mm-hmm. That is just, it's again, it's about giving our kids a leg up yes. about, about having these different guidelines. They have undeveloped brains and they are far more susceptible to addiction than adults are. And again, it's just like if giving a beer to a five-year-old versus giving a beer to a 50-year-old, there's very different things that it's going to do to our brains. Okay. Same thing with screen time. It's very powerful. I mean, it's, it affects us and we can get addicted. So imagine what it does to our children. Mm-hmm. So again, having good boundaries, good rules that you set, you know, like, okay. And I think having tech-free times, whether that's at dinner yes. or like we have a huge block after school where we're like, oh, this is where homework is done. And if you're done with homework, then you're going to go outside or you're going to read a book. Right. Like we do not need any screens from five to 8 PM. Right. Mm-hmm. So we kind of are, that's our home. That's what works for us. We also are very specific in having a discussion and it's a together thing. It's like, it's a family council. It's not a family meeting where parents are telling the kids, this is the rules. This is kind of coming to an agreement together of what we as a family think is okay. Now, usually, of course, when your kids are little, you're you're going to actually, you know, have much more enforcement there. But I also feel like for parents, we need to set that example. I'm not going to tell my teenagers, you can't watch that. This is again for me. I don't watch things that I'm not comfortable with my kids watching right. not watching Absolutely. You know what I mean? like so like like I just that's just what works for me I don't because I feel like images affect me so much me too and for me I have too. had yes. you know like I've had things where I'm doing something totally different and then I remember somebody getting their head blown off and I'm absolutely there and I've talked to my kids about that as well my son definitely has a different tolerance level for you know the sort of superhero yeah violence type stuff then my daughter you know even the two of them like one will have nightmares and the other one you know is completely fine with all of the you know star wars superheroes you know whatever Mm -hmm. that goes on and that's you know for each family to decide my husband loves all of that as well and i cannot watch it but i'm already i'm very open with my kids about it and i'm like you know what I can't watch that kind of stuff because it impacts my sleep. It comes to me, you know, when I'm just doing regular things around the house. I can't watch it. And so I don't. I just don't. And, and, you know, you have to decide what's right for, for exactly. you and your family as well, because everything is going to impact different people differently. Exactly. And I think it's good to say that, though, like, this is how it affects me. Yes. So that when they have something that affects them, they have a point of reference. Oh, mom has a problem with sleeping with this, too. Yes. Yes. Or, oh, yeah, or like that, that might make my stomach feel sick, yes. you know, or all those things, again, where they can, you're giving them the language mm-hmm. to talk about about all this, all these different types of media. And so anyways, that's kind of the biggest thing is deciding on rules. How are we going, you know, do we have time limits with screens? What are our rules for social media? How do we behave? How is mom going to behave? How is dad going to behave? And how are you going to behave? Again, just kind of that it's that this is like that we're in it together. That's also why it's not just the parents media guideline. It's the household media guideline that we want to create here that all of us are that we're in this together. And we are going to help each other out like by having our devices in central locations, Mm -hmm. you know, by having rules and standards that we are going to keep to as a family. Awesome. Awesome. Really helpful. So out of everything that we've discussed, and maybe we haven't discussed, 
when it comes to helping kids become media literate, what would you say is your top tip that will help our kids have the power to see as you put it in your new book? I would say that it is about building the habit of deconstructing media. Mm-hmm. So whether that's you're driving around and you see a billboard and, hey, what, is, what are they saying? You know, okay, oh, that's for a radio station, da, da, da. Even if it's like a two-minute thing where you are kind of building that foundation, where you're building that habit within them to deconstruct media. So if it's something that you can kind of just not do, have a one-time conversation, but again, just little just planting seeds, Mm -hmm. any chance you get to just start building that and helping your kids break apart those media messages, helping them see through, helping them see those messages. So just building a habit of that. Love all of that. That's uh, very important for for all conversations that we have. It's never one little, you know, big conversation. It's a series of little ones. And, you know, the more that we can have these conversations, whether they're child-led or led by us or just a conversation over dinner, and everybody's sort of pitching in. These are important conversations to have so that when our children are on their own, they begin to deconstruct media, even without any assistance or, you know, pitching the ball to them. They just start doing it on their own. And then you hear them start talking about it with their friends and and they feel media savvy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's the resource of the week? Where can we go to get more information about you, your new book, and all the great products that you have? So our website is educateempowerkids.org. All of our books are available there, but they are also available on Amazon and in Kindle or uh, paperback form. Excellent. And you should definitely check those out. Everybody, my goodness, the books are really helpful and, you know, done in such a straightforward way. And I really appreciate that about you, Dina. It's not like you beat around the bush. You just say what <laughs> is. And, and it's it's not, you know, it's like, all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I know I can do this. I know what to do. So you break it down so nicely. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I I so appreciate you being here and talking to us about deconstructing media and what media does to us and how we can talk about media literacy with our kids. Because I think after having this kind of conversation that we feel like we can go ahead and have these conversations with our kids and that they will have the knowledge that they need to become really media savvy in this image-based world. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Let's go up to Facebook, go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page. We have such good conversations up there. And we can chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I am on Instagram. So is Dina Alexander. We're going to be putting up memes up there, great quotes from here. We'll go back and forth on Twitter and all the other social media. Hey, we're talking about media. It's going to be on media. So we'll be talking about it. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And if you love this podcast like I did, here's something I would just so appreciate from you. If you will go up to iTunes and rate and review it, because the more that people see your ratings and your reviews, 
the more that iTunes shows the podcast and gets it out to the world. It's so meaningful to me, and I truly appreciate it. And I know that Dina Alexander will appreciate it because it gets her information out there as well. So that's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for joining us on How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, you've got this. Even on the days when you fall short, you've made mistakes. We know, we get it, we do it all the time. You've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. You didn't do it the right the first time. That's all right. You can do it the the second time, the third time, the fourth time. There's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.